Support for Defiance comes from Kraken, consistently rated the best and most secure Bitcoin exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. With 24-7, 365 world-class customer support, you can trust Kraken to support you, whoever you are, wherever you are. Available at kraken.com or via the mobile app, which is on the Apple or Android app stores. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Support also comes from BlockFi. With bank interest rates so low at the moment, there needs to be a new way of doing things, and BlockFi allows just that. With a BlockFi interest account, you can earn up to 8.6% APY on cryptocurrency deposits with interest paid monthly into your account. BlockFi has a loan account which allows you to borrow money at rates as low as 4.5%, so you can keep control of your Bitcoin whilst freeing up some cash. Not only that, BlockFi has a credit card coming out which allows you to earn up to 1.5% back in Bitcoin on every purchase. Accounts are quick to set up, flexible and secure. BlockFi really is the future of finance. To find out more, head to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Britney Spears became one of the biggest stars on earth when her career took off in the late 1990s. The teenage pop star was adored by millions of young fans around the world and became the lifeblood of many celebrity magazines and tabloid papers. However, the media frenzy would take its toll. Intrusive questions at press conferences were one thing, but the constant barrage of paparazzi that followed Britney 24-7 was unlike anything anyone had seen before. Britney Spears came of age in a time when the paparazzi was at its peak and we all watched Britney have a very public meltdown beamed right into our living rooms. This meltdown led to one of the most mysterious legal cases of our generation as Britney was put under conservatorship, a court order that stated she was not fit to look after herself and that allowed her father to control her career, her health and her finances. I'm Tom Pattinson, and this is episode two of Everyone Loves Britney for Defiance. There are only two types of people in this world, the type that put on a show and the type that observe, and I am the first. These lyrics come from Britney's song Circus and couldn't be more precedent. Britney was always putting on a show, even when she wasn't on stage. Britney was one of the first celebrity vloggers, filming herself on tours, travelling the world. She had a reality TV show, before the phrase was even coined, called Chaotic. And she was one of the first bloggers too, publishing diary entries online decades ago. Her fan base has in part fallen in love with Britney because she's been so open and candid with them, letting them into her life before Instagram made it the norm for the modern day celebrity. But her openness made her vulnerable too. We not only saw her highs, but also her lows. And many of those lows were to do with the men in her life. Her relationship with Justin Timberlake of boyband NSYNC turned Britney into a real-life prom queen. Justin had also been in the Mickey Mouse Club, and now they'd both grown up into pop stars in their own right. Them joining together as the pop power couple was a dream come true for celebrity gossip magazines. We would watch their blossoming relationship unfold in front of our eyes. 
but in 2003, they split. Apparently, because Britney had cheated on him. You did something that caused him so much pain, so much suffering. He's left the impression that, that you weren't faithful, that you betrayed the relationship. I think everyone has a side of their story. And I'm not technically saying he's wrong, but I'm not technically saying he's right either. But while Britney was called out, condescended and shamed, Justin was just treated as one of the boys. After their split, Justin released the song Cry Me a River, which implied she cheated on him. And he even brought in a Britney lookalike to recreate the breakup of their relationship in the video. In response, Britney wrote the song every time, saying, My weakness caused you pain, and this song is my sorry. We all witnessed the messy breakup of Britney and her first love. This ushered in a new phase for Britney, a more rebellious adult version, which was kicked off at the 2003 VMA Awards where Britney kissed Madonna on stage. Justin was in the audience, looking on. Britney's party phase started here, and like many young people, she spent time in clubs and experimented with drink and drugs and boys. A few months after her split with Justin, she would marry Jason Allen Alexander, after a boozed-up night in Las Vegas. The marriage was annulled after just 55 hours on the guidance of her management team. But just six months later, she'd be engaged again, this time to the father of her children, Kevin Federline. Federline was a dancer who danced with Justin Timberlake, and within weeks of meeting him, Britney proposed. By October 2004, the marriage had been certified, and in 2005... Sean Preston was born, and just one year and two days later, their second son, Jaden, followed. Several people I've spoken to said that they thought Brittany had postpartum or postnatal depression after the birth of her sons, just a year and two days apart. For any new mum, having kids is tough. Having two kids so close in age is very tough. And her husband, Kevin, turned out not to be the person she wanted him to be. Kevin Federline was off the scene almost as quickly as he was on it. In two short years since they'd met, they married, had two kids and divorced. Having taken much of 2005 off to focus on her family, after her divorce in 2006, the public image of Britney started to shift. Newspapers showed Britney falling out of clubs with other young Hollywood celebrities specifically Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan, with headlines such as Bimbo Summit. She was partying with the bad boys of the day, Fred Durst and Colin Farrell, to name a few, and according to a number of sources, she was taking a lot of recreational drugs. The partying, the drink, the drugs, the boys, could have been a reaction to the pressure heaped on her by her family and management. It was more likely a reaction to her husband cheating when she had two young children at home. But how many young 20-somethings didn't have a wild phase and push the boundaries a little? Britney's was just broadcast live to the world, making the magazines and TV channels rich along the way. There's certainly the perception, and I believe, that she was um, allowed to just 
blow off steam by being a party girl. This is Vanessa Gregoriadis, a Rolling Stone journalist who covered Britney during this era, and we'll hear more from her in a minute. But whilst Britney's rock star lifestyle was being critiqued by media across the world, there was no criticism of male rock stars drinking too much, no criticism of their parenting skills, no questioning their moral judgment. The complicated thing with Britney is it's not like her life before she had this breakdown was so awesome, right? Like she came from a family on her father's side with a lot of illness in it. I believe her father's mom committed suicide and her father was an alcoholic through a lot of the time she was growing up. She had been a child star from the time she was like six. You know, she was put into this showbiz life before she really had a choice, right? She did have this complicated relationship with her father. She, on one hand, you know, really just needed to kind of be herself and blow off steam and be kind of an adult in the world doing whatever she wanted to do. And she also was having like a really hardcore breakdown. What causes a breakdown? Very rarely is it one thing. It's usually when it all becomes too much. And Britney had a lot of pressure. Regardless of her fame or the pressure that her family or a record company may have been putting on her, she was going through a divorce and a custody battle. And that's hard on anyone. But also there's the question of whether sudden wealth and fame detaches people from reality, or whether people who are a little detached from reality strive for wealth and fame. The question of whether you have to be crazy to be an artist started before Van Gogh chopped his own ear off, and has been asked ever since. Baby One More Time songwriter Max Martin said, It's easy for us to say that they've become these rich, spoilt divas, and I'm not talking about Britney specifically, just in general. But we forget that these artists go out into the world and work and tour and become super famous for our enjoyment. And then we watch their lives falling apart in front of our eyes for doing something amazing. But what we also must remember about Britney is that really she just wanted a family and someone to love her. I'm not going to pretend to analyse Britney and correlate her desire for adoration with an absent father, but we do know that she said many times that all she wanted was a family, a husband, and some kids to look after. I would love to have a family. That was that would be when I'm the most content. My kids and just I mean that's they become your life. It's not all about you anymore and you have a focus that's so beautiful. For Britney, being a parent was everything. So when questions about her parenting ability were raised, it upset her enormously. That driving incident, I did it with my dad. I'd sit in his lap and I'd drive. We're country. Brittany said it was because of her attempts to avoid the paparazzi that forced her to drive unsafely with her son in the front seat. And whilst that might sound like an excuse, you only have to watch some of the videos of Brittany around this time to see the hundreds of photographers that would follow her every move. If right now we got in the car and went to Starbucks, you would see 20 photographers there. And I went to Starbucks and I see a bunch of photographers and I'm scared and I want to get out of the situation and my baby's crying. They're coming up on the, you know, the sides of the car 
which is a scary situation for me. It's hard to understand what Britney's relationship with the media was. She did court them to a degree, and she joked and played with them, but that may well have been her only way to handle the pressure. Vanessa Gregoriades spent time with the media pack in 2007, following Britney for a story that would be published at the start of 2008, titled "An American Tragedy." I didn't actually speak with Britney for the story, so um, I tried. I mean, I did a, I did two things that were useful. Um, the first is. I um, made contact with the paparazzi agencies and I called a bunch of them, um, some of which I think came from the UK. Um, at the time, you know, paparazzi were humongous in the mid aughts, right? It was kind of the, the big um, rise of like tabloid news in the US, which we hadn't had, you know, we had had like National Enquirer and, you know, kind of supermarket checkout tabloids, but we didn't have these glossy magazine us people, you know, in in touch, blah, 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 like all the ones that people started really reading and following at that time, um, which obviously were very linked with Britney because she was um, powering all of them. I called a bunch of paparazzi agencies and they did not want to help me. And um, then I found Arab guy who has some sort of family money who was starting an agency and he said, yeah, I'll, I'll do this with you. So he gave me a bunch of interviews about Brittany and what she meant to his business and why he had decided to start this agency, which was like, you know, I was on the pilgrimage to the Hajj and I, you know, saw all these newspapers and they were saying like, Brittany gets coffee at the gas station, you know, Brittany like doesn't buckle her kid in the back seat or the front seat or whatever she was doing at the time. And, um, you know, this is international news and like there's a war going on and nobody cares. Like everybody cares about Britney. And I went on Britney car chases. You know, the guy that I was talking about before, the um, Arab guy, let me sit with you know, some of his paparazzi, paparazzos up there on the top of Coldwater Canyon, which is like, you know, kind of the spectacular top of LA, Hollywood Hills, you know, where you can see everything from every side and you see the whole city like kind of, you know, spread out like a jewel box. And so there would just be like, you know, 70 cars with guys waiting up there at the top. Um, She was in a gated area so they would wait outside the gate and she would just come out of the gates like hell on wheels and just start you know driving wherever she wanted to go fast and this whole kind of lurching group of 70 cars would follow her Um, and you know getting off that top of that canyon is a mission And so, you know, she would lead them and then she would, you know, throw a U-turn and they would all throw a U-turn. I mean, it was really dangerous, like extraordinarily dangerous. It's actually part of why I think the city of Los Angeles got so involved in um, shutting her down, basically, and taking her out of her home um, to go to the hospital because it was such a menace to the city um, I mean, there were days when she was snarling traffic on freeways 
Um, so, you know, she would, you know, pull around. I mean, we, I was in a car with somebody once where we, um, you know, pulled up to a light and talked to her and she was just kind of being cute and funny. You know, I went to a mall once, uh, where she was like, I, I mean, there, it was, I don't know. It's, it's almost indescribably weird. It was very, very, very weird. Um, of course now, you know, you don't need to do any of this because of Instagram, but it was just, you know, I think, you know, it was just this kind of bizarre combination of danger and also just total banality. You know, she's just going to the Starbucks, right? But in order to do that, there had to be this kind of like snaking group of cards behind her to capture this moment, to make money off of it. And she was like a participant, but was also uh, like both the witness to it and the subject of it um, and having fun and also having a breakdown at the same time. In January 2007, Brittany's aunt Sandra, who she was incredibly close to, died of cancer. Kevin was filing for sole custody of her two children and Brittany was soon checked into a drug rehab facility under pressure from her mother. She checked herself out and Brittany went into a hair salon and shaved her hair off. A few days later, she smashed a paparazzo's car with an umbrella. Please, guys. Please, please, guys, don't do this. But the media reports of the party, the drugs, the head shaving and the attacks on the ever-present paparazzi created an image of a crazed woman that would be hard not to have an influence on the courts. Soon, her divorce was finalised and in October 2007, she lost custody of her children permanently. She was no longer speaking to her mother, who she felt had pushed her into rehab, and Brittany's anguish was there for all to see. She was very alone, and those that surrounded her didn't necessarily have her interests at heart. What nobody said to her is, it would be nice if you went back home and tried to connect with some of your, you know, old friends, or, you know, try to get you a group of friends that have nothing to do with your work versus hanging out with dancers all the time. You know, she had a lot of dancers around her that were the same dancers that she had for years and years, but a lot of those people were older than her, you know? So they were kind of having these very outre conversations in front of her, and they were, um, you know, living a kind of more 20-something lifestyle, right? Everyone could see that Britney was struggling. She'd pushed her record company and her family away and was unable to see her children, who meant everything to her. In July, Brittany arranged a photo shoot with OK Magazine, which led to the magazine releasing this statement. What we experienced was a young girl who was desperately in need of help, and sadly she surrounded herself with too many people who are pretending that nothing is wrong. The magazine put Brittany on the cover anyway. Then in January 2008, police came to her house after she locked herself in the bathroom with one of her children. 
Amid a media frenzy, the 26-year-old pop star was brought by ambulance to a Los Angeles hospital from her Beverly Hills home. Another chapter in her long-running custody battle with ex-husband Kevin Federline over there. She was taken away on a gurney and placed under a 5150 hold at Cedar sinai Medical Center for a mental evaluation. Days later, she was put under a conservatorship, with paperwork claiming that she was suffering from a dementia-related illness. The conservatorship was initially temporary. Over a decade later, it would be discovered that she is still under this conservatorship. In the next episode of Everyone Loves Britain, she's evil incarnate. Um, you know, Lou Taylor, she's a very savvy business manager. Um, she got, she sort of wormed her way into the Spears family. We look at the characters that surrounded Britney and those who may have benefited from the conservatorship. Commissioner Gatz kicked Adam Streisand out the room and said, We don't think Britney Spears has capacity to hire an attorney of her own. That was the fiasco. That was the day that justice died for Britney Spears. This show was written and narrated by myself, Tom Pattinson. Additional production and sound design was by Danny Knowles, and Peter Cormack was the executive producer. The soundtrack was written and performed by Chris Ketley. I'd like to thank Vanessa Gricadorius, the Free Britney Movement, and all the people I've spoken to in the research of this episode. Support for Defiance comes from Kraken, consistently rated the best and most secure Bitcoin exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell, and trade Bitcoin. With 24-7, 365 world-class customer support, you can trust Kraken to support you, whoever you are, wherever you are. Available at kraken.com or via the mobile app, which is on the Apple or Android app stores. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Support also comes from BlockFi. With bank interest rates so low at the moment, there needs to be a new way of doing things, and BlockFi allows just that. With a BlockFi interest account, you can earn up to 8.6% APY on cryptocurrency deposits with interest paid monthly into your account. BlockFi has a loan account which allows you to borrow money at rates as low as 4.5%, so you can keep control of your Bitcoin whilst freeing up some cash. Not only that, BlockFi has a credit card coming out which allows you to earn up to 1.5% back in Bitcoin on every purchase. Accounts are quick to set up, flexible and secure. BlockFi really is the future of finance. To find out more, head to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Listener.